0: Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me. And Leland, let's start it off with college football. And of the two local teams, North Carolina went out. They picked up uh, their second loss of the season. And UVA picked up their second win of the season in uh, what is out now a big upset um they had a big win they were up big in that game North Carolina came back but to UVA's credit they held on they won the game and um no delusions of grandeur here UVA's not gonna go on a run and win the ACC or anything but it's a big win for their program and it's it kind of plays into what's been a, a crazy season across the ACC if your name's not Clemson or Notre Dame
1: yeah yeah and and I mean, you really have to pull at me to say positive things about UVA, but they, they did it in a, in a solid way. Like, I'm not bashing the way they did it. They did it with an eight-minute drive in the fourth quarter that pretty much took up the whole front end of the fourth quarter, drove the ball all the way down the field, and I believe extended their lead. Mm-hmm. And then um, then they let UNC score pretty easily. But then they get the ball, get it to about midfield. I think they were on the wrong 40, the, in the wrong side of the fifty. And it's fourth and three, fourth and four. And they make a really ballsy call and they fake punt and, and get it there. They, they have, they're in pump formation. They come forward, take the snap, run it forward. And they get the play. They get the first down and they seal the game right there. And as Bronco Mendenhall said after the game, he said, that's, you know, he acknowledged what that call was. And it was, you know, we get it. We win. We don't, we probably definitely going to lose that game or, you know, it's at least going to overtime. And uh, so credit to him that it worked out and he, he, had the, um, you know, security to, to make that call. He, he knew what he had on the field. He, um, and he chose to do it and they got it. So credit to him. Now that goes wrong. We're probably 180 on this right
0: now. Yeah, we're all, dumb we're Bronco all laughing call, at Bronco Mendenhall and UVA for blowing a game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, it, uh, I don't know. I've said a lot of positive things about Bron- Bronco Mendenhall in the last six months. And, and this is another one. And this one worked out in his favor. And uh, so I'm going to give them the credit while I can because there's a lot of weeks that you might be able to give them credit, and I don't. So this week where it's obvious, I will. It keeps their bowl hopes kind of in the picture. Um, you know, being well, everybody's bowl
0: eligible, but yeah,
1: eligible, yes. But uh, there's less bowls than there were uh, than there are in most years. Mm. Um, I know there's some less teams playing too, but you you probably want to be around 500 to kind of assure yourself you're going to get a bowl and sitting at one and five right now it'd be a look a lot more uphill than sitting at two and four and uh they have some winnable games ahead of them for uva um i mean they play louisville this week who virginia tech just beat. we'll talk about that in a minute who and they won't have their defensive front again uh then they play albany and christian and then they play florida state boston college and then tech there's a couple wins in there i i mean for a for a team that was just able to beat UNC, you would ha- you could build off that confidence that there's a couple wins in there. I hope I hope there's more losses than wins. Um, to be honest about my the way I'm rooting, but if that team is what they're hoping to be, then they should get a couple wins down the stretch here. And that was a big win right there on UNC. Instead of losing five straight, they've now won a game against a ranked opponent, and and that was that was a good ACC win for a program that was really they kind of had an embarrassing loss and then an, a worse loss the next week. And it was just not really going the right way. And then they had some tough opponents, but they've they played decent these last two weeks against Miami and now UNC with the win. Um, they, they've done some decent things here. So I'll give them credit while I can. Next week I'll be back to normal. I'll be bashing them.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I mean, <laughs> you talked about at least two wins. I I'm not saying they're going to win out, but none of those games with if Armstrong is able to stay healthy and keep playing. I don't think you go into any of those games saying there's no chance UVA wins that game. And we'll talk about the tech game here in a minute and why I'm nervous and about every single game Virginia tech has left on the schedule. But, um, the offense has been better with Armstrong back. They put up 44 on UNC. They're playing Louisville, a team that doesn't believe in defense. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. They win that game against a similar offense, uh, in Miami, UVA's defense played pretty well. So if they can control the scrambling quarterback, I didn't, and we can transition out of the Virginia Tech game. I wasn't impressed with Louisville's offense. I, I didn't think Cunningham was good. Uh, I know they had a bunch good. of yards. I know they had a bunch of yards. I think that's more of a indictment on our defense. Um, yeah.
1: I, I don't think Louisville's good, so I don't, I don't think this is some great win by Virginia Tech. I'm glad we didn't go out and lose it. I mean, you... You picked us to lose, and there was reason. And I I was almost right.
0: Yeah, I was almost right. Because in in the play at the end of the first half, where Louisville's trying to give up on the half and just run out the clock, and it it turns into a 90-yard touchdown run to make it a seven-point game instead of a 14-point game, I'm sitting there going, okay, I mean, this is our defense. Like, this is why, and I know the... I can't remember who it was put on Twitter like, well, if you take out the 90 yard run took only a 100 yards of rushing We're like, oh, yeah. Well, if we only take out the place where our defense gives up a huge gash. Yeah, they're great.
1: Yeah. I you take out half their scoring. Yeah, it's
0: the, they have I mean, it's so ridiculous. Our, our defense <laughs> is atrocious. We're not good at stopping the pass. We're not good at stopping the run. We're not good at anything. And, and this defense is just too inconsistent other than the pass rush, which is pretty good. I, I am totally terrified every time that defense is on the field because I don't know what's going to happen.
1: I mean, I'm absolutely good with our defense focusing on pressure to the quarterback and trying to get sacks and and tackles in the backfield. I know that's what every defense wants, but to get that, you usually have to sacrifice in other areas. I've seen us not put pressure in the backfield and still get gashed. So I'm really okay with the idea of, send an extra guy because that guy's probably doing nothing in coverage back there. Go ahead and send him and try to add that pressure to the quarterback, force him to make a mistake, you know, force a college player to make a college mistake and and see what can happen. I'm really okay with that. And in the same way, you're talking about our defense being terrible. I'm really okay with us only throwing the ball 10 times and controlling the clock, running the football and putting our defense on the field less time than we have to. So I'm really okay with, the, the things we seem to do well at this week, I'm good if we kind of embrace those strengths in our team. Running the football with whoever gets the snap or whoever he hands the ball to, that's fine. in bringing in the jet sweep. If, if we are still dangerous with the pass, which I think we are, I don't, I'm not just throwing Hinden Hooker's passing ability away. He has ability, but let's not throw it 30 times. Let's throw it yeah. 10 to 15 times and run the crap out of the football and, and, and get field position if we have to punt, then we're if we're punting from the fifty, that's better than punting from the ten after three incomplete passes and a sack, or or you know two increases and a sack. Let's 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 do what's smart here. Let's look what is building us to victories and do that more instead of you know trying to incorporate everything or nothing like we did against Wake Forest. So mm-hmm. you know there was some positives in this game, but we also were playing a bad team. And 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 I know in the preseason we thought Louisville was better than what they what they, what they have proven to be. They're not a good team, and us beating them doesn't make me think they're a good team either. We beat a bad team, but we lost to a bad team last week in Wake Forest. I'm just glad we beat this bad team.
0: Yeah, and and look, I mean, you said, you know, only throwing ten times. Hindenooker was ten of ten, 183 yeah. yards. So he's throwing down the field. He's not throwing a bunch of check routes. I he mean, he's balls. going down the field, he's hitting his receivers. We're getting good plays. Uh, Tavon is, Robinson too, had a huge run. Hooker had a good game least on the ground. Two completions downfield, too, that were called back for penalty. Like, mm-hmm.
1: he could have been 12 for 12.
0: Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Well, that's another thing. But Khalil Herbert's good. I mean, and you, you're going to have to rely on that run game because, like you said, I mean, you need that defense to not be on the field. We gave up 350 yards passing, 198 more on the ground. It was just an absolute nightmare of a game. When, you're, when that defense is on the field because you just don't trust them to get stops. Like, yeah. there is not going to be a time. This is going to be very similar to the Bud Foster era. Now, the difference is going to be we can play prevent, we can send pressure, it's not going to matter. Our defense is going to give up a touchdown no matter what in this scenario. Where in the Bud Foster days, our defense might be having a good game, and then on the last drive we would play prevent, and then we would get killed. Um, but now, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. If you don't get to the quarterback, we're probably giving up a first down on a pass play. And you got
1: to get that tackle. When you get to the quarterback, you got to tackle him.
0: And if I we, mean, if, we tackle, if we miss a tackle, if we miss a tackle at the line of scrimmage yards. with a running back, he's going to get a first down. He's going to go running for days. I mean, that run. That running back ran past our safety, who I don't know what angle he was taking. I don't know if he had his eyes closed, if he fast. sneezed. <laughs> yeah, he was fast, but our safety so is sitting there. Maybe he sneezed off, because right? he just had the absolute wrong angle and didn't seem to like realize, "Oh, this guy's coming my direction." until he was past him and then he's like oh maybe i should turn my hips. I mean it was honestly if that had if i had been playing college football and my safety did that i would have rage quit the game and said this this is the ea sports god saying you're not winning this game. Like that would have really frustrated me. And i just like
1: i, I don't play unless i can win and if
0: <laughs> and, and if i'm not winning i quit because the game is rigged. Yeah. Um yeah, i just
1: I mean, when you give up a ninety-yard running play and you give up an eighty-two-yard, when you give up a ninety-yard score and an eighty-two-yard score and you still win the game, you're just happy your offense was able to do what it needed to do because your defense is just not there.
0: Well, and looking ahead, can can Virginia Tech fans, yeah, can Virginia Tech fans like not act like Liberty is going to be some pushover for us? There is not a team on our schedule that's going to be a pushover. I hope we rock them. We're We're not rocking anyone, Leland. Our defense isn't good enough to rock anybody. We're not that I good.
1: You. I'm confident. I, I exactly just said that. I hope we rock them. I have no confidence in that. I, I just.
0: Outside the NC State game. to 44 every game. Yeah. Outside the NC State game where they started like a JV quarterback against us and we were able to get up on them early. We still gave up 24 points that game. Now, the Boston College game, and we've talked about this. Boston College, that quarterback is a fraud, by the way. I do not buy that Zerkovich guy that guy is like the one guy who couldn't pass on us. He is not good. Even in the Clemson game, I know they had that lead, but I joked in the group text that you were in, I would have left that backup in. That backup threw a dart. And then when Zerkovich came back in for the Clemson game, I mean, he was overthrowing receivers by like 20 yards. I was like, where is he throwing? I never throwing?
1: thought Clemson was losing that game. No point in that game. I was like, Clemson's losing it. Even right before halftime when they did the <laughs> when they were up goal 18 got the score. I was <laughs> like, wow, Clemson's making it harder on themselves, but they're going to win. Yeah.
0: They did. Uh, 42 to 35, though. I don't know how you walk out of that and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Liberty's ranked. This is so disrespectful to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is disrespectful to Virginia Tech. Like maybe if you don't go out and get steamrolled by Wake Forest and North Carolina and you give up 56 points in North Carolina, maybe then you win. But we we we're not good enough to look at Liberty, Miami, Pitt, Clemson or UVA and say, yeah, we're going to kill that team. I don't think our defense is capable of doing what they did against Boston College again.
1: Prove us wrong. I mean, that's I, I hope. I mean, I obviously I'm the op- optimistic way of looking at it, and I mean, I'm. It's not like I'm not going to pick us to beat Liberty, but like, we're going to have to score 45 points to do it properly. Like, that's just where my mind. Any game is. where we don't score 40, 40 points, game. we're in trouble. Yeah.
0: And sometimes when we score 40, it's not enough. Ie North Carolina.
1: Yeah, uh, well, North Carolina's the. I, I would still say they're the best team we've played so far. Okay. They have the most talent of, of any team we played so far. I'll I'll say that. I'll say this um, too. We're gonna play some harder ones coming up with Miami and Clemson.
0: So. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence will be back by that by that time, but he could not be back, and we would we would get trucked. Clemson would run us over with their third string quarterback playing. Yeah,
1: yeah, they yeah, they have more talent than us. They're better than us. They're better coached than us, and they have more talent. Than
0: I'm us. just saying this in case this happens to get into the ears of an optimistic hokey on Twitter, because that guy is. I want some of what he's got because that guy is on some happy stuff. Green stuff. He is sitting here being like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to embarrass Liberty when they come to Blacksburg. I, I just want to win. Forget embarrassing someone. I just want to have more points than them uh, when I the clock's at zero. Them. I have no
1: confidence.
0: <coughs> what I'm saying is I think it's more likely that we lose than we embarrass Liberty. I just want to escape with more points.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm i not arguing. I don't, I don't <sighs> have an argument there.
0: Let's talk about some teams that are good. Cincinnati crushes memphis because they're the bearcats and they continue to roll and then the other darling of the college football season they came in as a two and a half point favorite all they did was win 51 to nothing against georgia state coastal carolina and the Clears are for real leland are you going to give them the respect they deserve
1: no i'm not going to give them the respect that you want me to give them i'll give them they're undefeated good they beat every team on their schedule that's great they haven't beaten anybody either like I'm not putting them they in the beat Louisiana of who
0: beat Iowa state. Who's going to win the big 12.
1: I don't, I don't think any of those teams are good. None of those teams are going to the playoff or are one game away from going to the playoff. Like they, they all suck. So I don't care who they have beat. I'm not putting them in the likes of Ohio state, Clemson. Who's Ohio or state? Alabama. Beat?
0: Ohio state's fake.
1: Do you watch them <laughs> for Saturday at all? Cause they look pretty darn good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did not pay attention to that Penn state game too much, but yeah, it and was
1: Justin on knows how to play a little football. You know, He's like, pretty
0: good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> at some point, we have to acknowledge, like, it's not just W and L's. You do watch the game a little bit and see, wow, this team is really fast and they really can do whatever they want with the field. And look at that receiver that just goes up and gets the ball. Doesn't matter who's on it. Like some of that matters in determining who is as good and not I,
0: Cincinnati I, and Coastal Carolina, if they go undefeated, deserve to be in the conversation for the four spot. That's my point, and I think Cincinnati, if they do go undefeated, should be number four because I think enough teams ahead of them will have to have lost by that point.
1: You know what's going to happen now is with Trevor Lawrence being out, maybe Notre Dame picks off Clemson, but mm. then they'll they'll put Clemson in the playoff because they didn't have Trevor Lawrence, and there's your four teams.
0: Okay, Notre well, Dame, Clemson will have to beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship with Trevor Lawrence for that to happen. Okay. And if I, that I happens, then happen. you kick Notre I, I think Dame out. Notre Dame's fake. I think
1: Notre Dame's fake. Like fake playoff contender. Like, I don't think they are deserved of a playoff spot. I just – if they beat Clemson this week, they're probably going to be in there even with a loss in the ACC championship game because there'll be one loss to the number one team or number two – you know, the team that's number one when they have Mm -hmm. their quarterback. You know, it's – that's the way I see this thing checking out. I don't see – I don't see Coastal Carolina getting in. I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll listen to Cincinnati, <laughs> but I ain't
0: talking about Coastal, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is really good. I love the Chanticleers. I love their head coach. Saw the oh, little man, game day Cincinnati piece.
1: I last week, and I didn't think a lot of them either. So I, uh, we'll see. We, they, a lot of it's they still have games to play so we're gonna see more that's that's for sure uh, before
0: we leave uh you mentioned notre dame and i just want to say georgia tech the team they played looked sharp in those black uniforms i wish they would wear them more i i like that as a color more than i do the gold the, or the navy blue that they wear i i think they should go back to black being the color because when you see a yellow jacket they're not blue and yellow they're black and yellow
1: i mean i think the blue is a traditional color at i don't schools, like it so I, don't, I don't think it's come out of nowhere they should change it um Michigan State beating Michigan always can make you happy. Uh, Michigan wow. losing always makes you smile.
0: Jim Harbaugh, one in five be, against NFL, Michigan man. State and Ohio State in his tenure at NFL. Michigan.
1: Going to the NFL.
0: Well, he's going to be one in six because he's going to lose to Ohio State. But I mean, he'll be a
1: coordinator in the NFL, and then he'll be a head coach again here in a couple of years. That
0: guy, not very good.
1: Don't uh, like Jesus, his matchup this coach, week either.
0: Don't like the, Don't like his matchup this week either. He's kind of not good. Michigan State is not a good football team.
1: Michigan's got Indiana. Huh? If they lose that game, they're gonna run them out of town.
0: Michigan State's oh. not good. Right, let's let's call it spade oh, no, to Michigan spade. State is not good. They're not they good. I watched people. that game. I watched that game when they played Michigan, and the entire time I was sitting there telling myself, "How is Michigan State winning this game? Their quarterback is so bad. Like <laughs> he would just get a big play for a touchdown, and it, it would be like you could just feel the Michigan State sideline just." Uh, like sigh, like okay, we got him. Now we just gotta hold
2: on.
1: So now, before we before we look forward, I do want to look back just for another thing, and it's it's this week's Leland rant. Um, if we had a little jingle for it, it'd be nice. We can work on that. See you what talk to can your do for yeah, us. you
0: gotta talk to your fam.
1: Um, Dan Mullen is a joke, and he needs to be gone. I am tired of hearing his name, seeing his name, watching his antics, hearing his voice. Anything related to him, I'm done with. As in Joe would say, I, he's dead to me. I'm done mm-hmm. with him. That was a phrase I used. Mm-hmm. He, after the Texas A&M game a couple weeks ago, because Texas A&M had some fans going on down there, where I, I think they're having some kind of outbreak of some virus or something going on. Now. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, he came back to the post-game press conference, and he said, you know what, here in Florida, we should be able to have fans now. That's what the governor said. I, I expect we have a full stadium next week everything COVID related ever since he uttered those words went against him. His quarterback had oh now 19 guys. Oh, now Dan Mullen himself has it. They have to cancel the game. Like everything went against him on COVID. He completely just karma just took a big old chunk out of Dan Mullen. And you think that would maybe calm him down or make him shut his mouth or calm down the attitude just a little bit. Um, You know, having to cancel a game because of COVID and having their one loss on the season and all that. No, this week, Right before half, his quarterback gets gets hit after throwing a Hail Mary and they don't call it. And and sure, referees miss a little bit of call. But here's Dan Mullen running out to midfield, yelling at the referees, yelling at the players that hit his quarterback, and basically starting a fight at midfield, but leading his players towards the opposing players. And now his players are fighting with those players, and it's a terrible situation. He is not a leader. They finally get that shook out kick a couple players out of the game. They should have kicked him out of the game. Dan Mullen should have been coaching that second half. So going in the locker room after all his players, you know, finally get off the field, going in there, stop fighting. He's revving the crowd up, throwing his arms up, wanting some noise for halftime for them to be in the locker room. And there needs to be cheering, I guess. And was once enough. No, he goes, comes back out of the tunnel. He wants some more. He wants to rev up that crowd a little bit more. He is a child as an sec head coach. He is a child. So, All that's bad enough. I ran into you in a text message on Saturday about that. With that, come to find out in the post-game conference, I didn't see this till Sunday, there he sits in the post-game conference trying to answer legitimate, serious questions about his leadership ability. He's wearing a Darth Vader mask and playing a character he is a child. He absolutely doesn't understand the seriousness of what he's dealing with as a head coach. He doesn't know how to lead young men and he needs to be gone. The sec rightfully so has fined him now. And I think that was just for the going to midfield and throwing a hissy fit and really being the cause of what that fight became. And, but he should be fine for more and he should get out of there. And I, I no doubt, know that people at Florida have to be embarrassed about his behavior. I know there's the dumb fans out there. Like that's my head coach. That's how You know, I want my coach fired up protecting me and me. Shut up. Shut up. Handle it in an adult way.
0: Okay. Uh, first. Yeah. First thing. What, some, I was surprised. I was surprised that he picked the good guy to dress up as when he has been such a villain during his coaching career. Uh, and secondly, I don't share your optimism for Florida fans. All they care about is winning. Has the, has the SEC taught you nothing? All they care playoff, about is winning. How many
1: playoff games have they played in?
0: Well, yeah, how I many hear you. Six games have they played in. I hear you. But if they beat Georgia, all is forgiven. Now, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. I am but personally rooting for Georgia. To Alabama. Okay. Alabama might win the in. national championship. I, it's going to be a hard sell. But. um... Personally, I hope Georgia wipes the field with them. I would love nothing more than to watch the Bulldogs annihilate Florida. But um, if they win that game, they're going to win the East. They're going to be in the SEC championship game, and Florida fans don't care about any I of think that that's other stuff. that's what
1: bothers me, though, is that I picked Florida to win that side this year. I said, Georgia missed their chance. Here comes Florida. And I'm so rooting against my pick now.
0: I can't I, I remember can't. what I said. I think I I think I I agreed with you. But, Yeah probably pick Georgia uh I'm yeah but I typically don't I typically don't pick with my heart a whole lot um but it's possible I have to go back I can't remember I'm very on the fence I know now I would pick Georgia to win this game because I think Georgia's better but
1: yeah I do too
0: they've settled down at
1: quarterback they're better um looking ahead at the games of note next week all these games I have listed for Joe looking at right now are not ones we're going to pick but heads up Oh my gosh, fans. that
0: first one, I do not care about. Yeah, yeah.
1: But Miami and NC State play Friday night, and so does BYU-Boise State. Um, BYU-Boise State are two ranked teams, so if that means anything to anybody, uh, I think the better team will win both those games. Uh, but we have Liberty and Tech at noon on ACC Network. We have West Virginia at Texas at noon on ABC. The noon window is interesting this week. Mm-hmm. Arizona State at number 20, USC. USC is like their only hope of being a good team out there. They're not. So don't worry about it. That's noon on Fox and then Michigan, Indiana noon on FS one, then three thirty, Florida at Georgia, Georgia CBS. That's probably now kind of the most interesting game of the day. I know Clemson and Notre Dame at seven thirty is very interesting, but without Trevor Lawrence there, I think that takes some of the shine off that game is so that Florida, Georgia, I think is, you know, who's teeing up to uh, play Alabama in the SEC championship. I think that's really interesting. Houston-Cincinnati at 3.30 on ESPN, Oklahoma State, Kansas State at 4 on Fox, and Louisville at UVA wrapping up the night at 8 p.m. I th- I believe they play on the ACC Network, right?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Um, is Every OK Is OK State AP. really not ranked? They have to oh, be they're ranked.
1: ranked. They're still ranked. They're like 13th or something. I
0: don't know. Okay. I just didn't see a number, and you had the other ones on there. That's why yeah. I asked. That's fine. I was just – I was like, wow. Um, so I just want to go – bullet points um uh, on a few thoughts i know you would, you're going to be surprised by this BYU does not deserve to be in the playoff uh so they're out um, i watched
1: them early like early september they were on one of those games where they were like the biggest game of the night i wasn't impressed with them either they're just
0: against navy they're just
1: gonna...
0: navy's bad boise state's not be... good i don't think boise state's good either so i i don't respect boise state um so unlike you man i hope vt wins we talked about that this West Virginia-Texas game, my horns came through beating the Oklahoma State Cowboys. It's why Leland doesn't know what name to or what number to put next to Oklahoma State because they knocked those Cowboys right off their perch. Hook them. That was an awesome win. I uh, did catch the end of that game. Uh, you know, as a Virginia Tech fan, that plays a big role in this. Also, you know, it used to be because they don't have any teeth and just generally most West Virginia fans you meet are not generally nice people. But now it's personal. So I hope Texas just totally annihilates West Virginia and just crushes those hill battery-throwing hillbillies and chases them back to the hills and saves all the couches in West Virginia because uh, they're going to need to burn them in the homes to you know, keep the social distancing and uh, keep people six feet away from each other while they're inside their houses for COVID.
1: Arizona State uh, at UNC. The most interesting thing USC. about that game is at, at U- USC. Sorry. Uh, it's at noon on Fox, and that's fine. That's good for the East Coast viewer. That game's being played at 9 a.m. in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. That's how thirsty the Pac-12 is for (laughs) attention. They're willing to play their games at 9 a.m. just so they can get network television. That's saying something. That's showing you how far the Pac-12 has fallen. I mean, it used to be, I mean, not that long ago, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart. All those guys, they were good programs then. And there was, I mean, Cal was good. Stanford was good through there. I mean, it's not that long ago. They produced good teams. Oregon, obviously, at that conference is trash. Um, the other game, the elimination game in the SEC, where I talked about that. Yeah, I mean, we talked about all this. I i wish Trevor Lawrence was pl- be, like he didn't have COVID for multiple reasons, for his own health and safety. And he's been an outspoken athlete through all of this, um, you know, participating in uh, Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. uh, Um marches and stuff, also participating in let us play uh, NCAA, let us play football. Um, So he's been very outspoken. He's been the face of college football, really, these last two years as a player. Um, So not having him in this big time, primetime game that everybody's been looking at since they made these new schedules, that's disappointing. I I wish he was playing just to have that showcase be what it was supposed to be.
0: I will say the backup threw for 357 yards. So
1: he he woke up. Yeah, he got better.
0: <laughs> uh, if he comes out and has a strong game at the start, if Notre Dame loses this game, no more playoff talk.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I don't think they're a for real playoff team. I just, I guess after seeing Clemson play a little this uneven year, this week, I could imagine yeah. them beating them some way because Notre Dame's not trash. I just don't think they're a top four team in the country. I, if they're a, a, a eight to twelve, I believe it.
0: I am a firm believer in Notre Dame never being in the playoff again. But this year, they are part of the ACC. So if they run the table, then they get to go to the playoff. But other sure. after this, they're back out of the ACC. Uh, they're going to be playing an independent schedule, which means not a lot of great teams. N- they don't get to go to the playoff
1: anymore. <laughs> yeah, Michigan. They go play Michigan.
0: Yeah, who cares about <laughs> Michigan? I mean, that team is a tire fire. Uh, and then Louisville-UVA, we talked about that. Uh, I actually like UVA in that game.
1: I, without the defensive line for, for Louisville, I, I think UVA was going to take advantage of that. I, I
0: Well, we don't know if they're not playing that game or
1: not. but They aren't. They oh, they did
0: announce that today? Okay, I missed that today. Yeah. So then they're definitely going to win that game.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I do. All right, NFL, our boys played. Ravens, Steelers, yeah. and it came down to the end like most of these matchups do between these two teams. They're very similar teams. I think going into the game, Uh, there was seven points separated the two teams since like 2000, since like Mm -hmm. near the beginning of the Ravens existing. Uh, And and those stats always amaze me for long term, you know, 20 years, we're talking 20 years. That's, that's crazy. They're only seven points apart. Cause at one point during the game, when the Ravens were up seven, it was tied. Uh, I think Duke and UNC have like a point total in college basketball like that right now too. Um, But it just came down to the end. Like most of those games do a lot of hard hits Steelers didn't look great early and, and Ben wasn't throwing well, really benefited from that early turnover from uh, the quarterback. Um, And uh, the Steelers took it, you know, got an early touchdown, was able to uh, have that lead. And that's really what saved them because they didn't get going until like kind of late third quarter when things finally started, they started moving a little bit, getting a couple more stops. And it just came down to a big stop late in the fourth quarter and then holding on from there. And the Steelers win.
0: Yeah. Um, the Ravens fan perspective here is, um, I after having a day to think about it, um, I texted you some initial thoughts right after the game, um, and I I've had a day to think about it. I I don't go into the Thanksgiving Day matchup thinking it's not winnable. I, it's a very winnable game. Um, yeah. This game this game came down to Lamar Jackson not taking care of the ball. He provided He handed the Steelers 14 points and he took another seven points off the board for us when we were down in the red zone and he turned it over on a fumble. So that's a 21 point swing. Our defense played exceptionally well. I thought, um, and it's frustrating to see Lamar Jackson disappoint on a big stage again. It feels like every time he's asked to perform on a big stage, he can't do it which he hasn't done it yet yeah which brings questions up and of course Lamar Jackson Defenders will say we went away from what was working we ran the ball 50 times all right if you need to run the ball more than 50 times you don't have a quarterback which is what people which what Lamar Jackson critics have said he was 13 so of 28 that that's under 50 percent he had two picks both of them, were horrendous picks that resulted in 14 points for the Steelers. One on the play, and one was I think the Steelers got tackled at the 20-yard line, so you knew it was going to be a touchdown. Um, yeah, right there, right it, was, it was just a frustrating game to watch him. And I texted you this during the game when we had the ball there with like a minute and change left or whatever it was. And you were like, well, now I'm worried. Because the Ravens have a chance. I was worried the whole time. I don't know why you were worried. We couldn't run. We didn't have any timeouts. It's not like running was an option there. We would have had to throw the ball. And he can't do that. He's not good enough.
1: You got the ball into the position that I was worried about.
0: Yeah, but then what happened? What do they call it when you end up 20 yards short of the end zone when you need a touchdown? They call it losing.
1: Yeah, I was worried about them getting an approachable distance to the end zone and winning the game. They got to the approachable... Distance and so
0: that's all. And then worried. Lamar Jackson happened. Like, look, is he better he in the NFL than I thought it, he was I going to be? Is he better in the NFL than I thought he was going to be? Yes. But these concerns that I had when we drafted him have presented themselves when we've played other good teams. It's the turnovers, it's the same problem he had at Louisville when he was in a big game. He turns the ball over too much, he's not consistent enough when he's forced to pass the ball and it's been a problem for him. J.K. Dobbins had a great coming-out party in this ball ballgame. Uh, Gus, Gus had a big game, too, for the Ravens, uh, the other running back, Gus Edwards. And running the ball were good, but you saw the Steelers pretty early on say, Lamar Jackson on that read option, Watt keyed in on him exclusively, and then the Ravens did some adjustments to try to take him out of the play so Lamar could get running a little bit, and that helped. But Lamar took too many sacks, He made too many bad decisions when he was forced to pass. I I just was not impressed with Lamar Jackson at all. That being said, if Lamar Jackson somehow avoids totally crapping the bed and just handing the ball to Pittsburgh when he's forced to pass, that's a game the Ravens can win. Unfortunately, now you're two games back of the Steelers. And if you win, you'll be a game back. And then you'll it'll come down to the rest of the division and you need to win out and hope the Steelers lose another division game or they're going to have a tiebreaker or I don't know how that tiebreaker is going to work at that point. Um, If if both teams are even but both teams have the same division record, it starts going down a list of I don't know, but
1: components is the next one.
0: um, Yeah, I, I just you get into playoffs and I don't know the Steelers look good. Uh, their offense is good, uh, or their defense is good. Their offense would worry me if I was a Steelers fan. I don't know if they have the offense to make a deep playoff run this year, despite being 7-0. and
1: Yeah, I'm not measuring a ring size quite yet. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We've, we've had moments of good offense, I think mostly against bad teams. We have weapons there. We just got to use them in the bigger games. But winning back-to-back row games against top-tier teams of the AFC, like playoff-bound AFC teams, is a good sign. And uh, winning back-to-back games kind of goes against that point. Can they make a deep run? Well, we, we did just win two. <laughs> you know, deep run in the playoffs is two playoff games. We just won two equivalent playoff games. So um, there's reason to believe. But, yeah, I'm not fitting for a ring quite yet. Um, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving night. I, I I like when we play each other on Thanksgiving night. Um, usually by that time I'm able to no. actually watch football. I can't watch it during the day. So at night it, I'm fine with it. See. Uh, my, one of my best memories is, like, seven years ago, my baby that was maybe, might have only been two months old, Five might have been eight years and ago, Johnson, and uh, my Steps. wife wanted to go shopping, so I got left home with the baby, and she's gone shopping, and I just had the football, a silent house, and a sleeping baby on my chest. It was the best uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving night I've ever had. I'm, I'm rooting for something like that again. I'll, I'll let her go uh, COVID shopping. And I'll uh I'll stay home with the kids and watch football.
0: No. See, another Thanksgiving, and this is when we won. I just remember when Mike Tomlin uh was trying to cheat and trip the return man Jacoby Jones and that how much that bothered me. This game always I don't like when my team plays on Thanksgiving because I can't enjoy it. Like
1: I don't like it on Christmas because like, I never can enjoy. I can never watch it on Christmas. Thanksgiving
0: doesn't bother. I can watch. Night, I can watch the day games. This is going to be like stressing me out the whole night on the lead up. And this year's going to be different for Thanksgiving. It's going to be a smaller Thanksgiving uh, with the pandemic and everything. So that means it's going to be fewer people that have to deal with it. Like they can't do it in shifts where they like. You know, okay. Well, I've already had my ten minutes with Joe. Now you have to have ten minutes with Joe and deal with his Narada Ravens watching. So like it's going to just be full on. Now Brad will laugh and he'll be joking the whole time and just like I was last night with the, the Cowboys fan? game. Yeah. Yeah, he'll have already lost. Let he's already Oh, happen. trust me. He's already out on this season. He already knows what this year is for the Dallas Cowboys at this point. He knew that as soon as Dak Prescott got hurt. But
1: hey, Steelers got the Cowboys next week. So actually in blow, his defense Good to see you.
0: In his defense, he knew before Dak Prescott got hurt what this year was going to be for the they Dallas Cowboys. No they had
1: no defense.
0: Yeah, it's the worst defense maybe in NFL history. But we'll talk about the Cowboys in a second. Um I I just, yeah, I, I don't like when my team plays on Thanksgiving or Christmas. It's just, it's not an enjoyable experience for me. Um In a way that Virginia Tech is not. Like, it's weird. I definitely root more and feel more of a strong connection and a fandom for Virginia Tech than the Ravens but I guess Virginia Tech has let me down so many times like I guess I just kind of expect them to disappoint me at a certain point uh whereas the Ravens like I kind of feel like okay we've won Super Bowls we're capable of it please don't mess this up like and it's usually when we play on Thanksgiving or Christmas it's usually the Steelers and that's the other thing that doesn't help
1: I'm crossed on that because, like, uh, I'm definitely more emotional and get upset. I mean, a week ago I was really mad. Like, it bothered me the rest of the night that we lost to Wake Forest. Um, easily, Virginia Tech is what I care about more. I think Steelers, it's easier to let me let go a little bit because we have won so many Super Bowls. It's just like, well, if we don't win it this year, we'll, be, we'll still be in contention next year kind of thing. Um, but this year we have a ch- shot, so my, my anxiety probably will rise a little bit more. But I'm looking forward to that. Um, all right, looking at some of these other games. We had the Bills beat the Pats. I, Belichick isn't really handling this well. That, that's the reason I'm staying here. I, I think a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of like, hey, everybody, shut up. The COVID just hit the Pats. That's why they lost to Denver, whatever. But this is, what, three losses in a row, four losses in a row? Yeah. It's not good. Uh, Tom Brady's looking better. So that, might, that argument might be over. Titans lose again but Joe Burrow man I've been talking positive about Joe Burrow I pay attention to these other teams in in the conference in the in the division uh, in the north there I think I think Cincinnati has the right quarterback I, th- I don't think they were stupid with their number one pick Burrows done well in these losses uh, it's the things are like I, I I've watched two games that he has done what it takes to win the game and his defense has lost the game or his special his kicker didn't make a kick. This time he comes out against a good Titans team, gets a big win. Credits to Joe Burrow. I, I think Cincinnati has their quarterback.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I, I want to see him do it after this year. I want to see him do it when the games kind of matter. Right now, it's kind of house money. The Bengals well, suck.
1: I don't know. You, the Bengals suck. I think that, that loss does team. more.
0: I think, well, I think that loss means more to Tennessee than the win does for Cincinnati.
1: I think they just. I think they were worked up for playing the Steelers and coming off the COVID stuff and trying to prove themselves, and they were just used all their emotion. I think they were just drained. Um, I think. I don't know. I. I, I think Burrow's good. I, I've seen him good in multiple games this year, so I think he's good. Um, Packers are suddenly not consistent. I thought. I thought they were just going to run away with that division, and they're just playing around.
0: The Packers have lost their last seven games on the day of the time change.
1: well we should have known man next year gotta gotta figure that one out um so then we get to the cowboys and poor ben dinucci the pride of jmu uh all i saw all week was dinucci's gonna start it's gonna be his the first jmu quarterback to start in the nfl and i just kept saying this isn't good because I watched him at JMU. I root for JMU. I go to those games. I root for him. We watch them usually on a small TV, on Saturdays. And, and you know, we watch a lot of JMU football. And he, I mean, Bad Lee was better than him. Sure, Brian Shore was better than him. Ben DiNucci was incredibly inconsistent against CAA defenses. And I never thought he was good. I was amazed when he was drafted. Thank goodness he got in the elevator with his Little League coach's brother or something, whatever that story is. I Like, thank Goodness, he has those connections. He gets drafted. Two players have horrific injuries in front of him, and here he is starting because they have no other out. You can't bring another quarterback in that same week and get him ready. Maybe they could have, though, to be that ready. He was terrible. Out of his first four drives, his best drive, that is the one that ended in a sack fumble. That was his best drive out of the first four drives of the game. I missed some in the middle because I stopped hate watching because I hate watching football like that. But at the end of the game, they're pretty much just making fun of him on the telecast of how bad he was, how bad a situation the Cowboys were in to have this kid starting. Ben Danucci was not good. And then today, JMU is still propping him up. Hey, he's one of, you know, 10 FCS quarterbacks to ever start in the NFL. And they put him on this list. Some of the guys did nothing ever. Some of the guys were good. You know, some of the guys from, you know, McNair was good. Um, your boy was good. For Flacco's Baltimore, won a Super so Bowl.
0: Doug Williams was, has won a Super Bowl.
1: Who was a power five quarterback that that transferred down? But um, well,
0: so is Ben DiNucci.
1: Yeah, he's not in the same mold. I'll I'll say that. No, he, he was rough. And then you got Skip Bayless. Well, at least Ben DiNucci threw for more yards than Tua. You know what? Tua's team won. Miami Dolphins won that game. His players looked excited to play with him and got him plays on the defense and special teams, and they found a way to win around that guy. Dallas guys seemed disinterested on the sideline, knowing that they had nothing at quarterback. And they started throwing wide receiver, double uh, reverses and all of lining up um, the running back from Ohio State there at doing the Wildcat. That was the first snaps at Wildcat he's ever taken in his career. They had no faith in this kid. I I just want him off my screen. I I didn't like him. Honestly, I just didn't even like him at JMU. I didn't enjoy the way he played at JMU. He has a lot of confidence for the talent that he has. And I'm just, I'm done with seeing him. And I hope hope Andy Dalton can come play this week because the Steelers play the Cowboys this week. I hope Dalton can be healthy for his own sake, but also play in that game so I don't have to watch the Steelers absolutely kill this kid. That's my rant, my second rant of the podcast.
0: Yeah. Um, he didn't have a good game. He averaged four and a half yards per attempt. That's
1: he got like sixty yards on the last drive of the game when not, it didn't matter.
0: Not good. Um, yeah, he had he a very know, he didn't know
1: where to look. He didn't know where his receivers. Would I, to
0: be. I agree that I don't think he's the best quarterback to come out of JMU since I've been there. So when he got drafted, wow. I was surprised. I think he is not in a good situation. I don't know if there is a situation where he could be good in the NFL. I just think that is a situation where he is overmatched. I don't think he is ever going to be an NFL quarterback that should play in actual games. Um, no disrespect to him. I just think it's a little too big. I, 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 I agree I'm with your,
1: him. I, did, I think I, I never thought he was good.
0: I agree with your analysis That when he was playing against CAA defenses, he struggled. He threw five picks in a playoff game against Colgate. He threw a pick at the goal line against North Dakota State, where he stared down his receiver and North Dakota State knew what play was coming. So it's kind of frustrating to see that. And then, yeah, I mean, just to imagine him being in the NFL, I'm just like, okay.
1: People talked about him being in this game. He's just lucky the quarterback on the other side of the field, who's also from an FCS school, was also
0: terrible. Yeah, can we talk about that? You in a group text said the Giants, Barkley going down is fine because the Giants weren't going to win that division anyway. I don't know. That division's bad. That division, to call it, and I called it a tire fire in that group text, and that's offensive to tire fires because they're not that bad. They're not as bad as the NFC East. The NFC East is like if the Titanic had not only hit the iceberg, but there were landmines on the iceberg that exploded and blew the Titanic into tiny pieces all over the globe. Because, and then that caught, blocked out the sun, ushering in an ice age that ended humanity. That would be the NFC East. That division
1: What you started with there was bad. my comment that with Barkley out, that hurt him. I, coming into the season, didn't think the Giants were going to win that division maybe they would still have a chance if they had Barkley there. Like, I think kind of denying that. I think the
0: Washington football chance, team is, has a chance to win this division as bad as they are.
1: I just think the giants in two years are going to be decent. I've said it on the podcast a couple weeks ago as well. I think in two, I think they're in the right direction. I don't think that quarterback's trash. I I know Barkley's good. I think they have other pieces all over the place that are pretty good. I think in two years, the giants can win that division and, or, or at least like, like, be in high contention for it. Maybe. I I don't know who else I'm confident to say that with. I, I would think Dallas would be in the conversation because they're gonna pay Dak now. Look how valuable he is. Um if they can get some defensive talent there, they they could be okay. The Eagles are are they gonna stay with Wentz? That guy's bad. And then the Washington football team, I when I start saying that they're gonna win the division, slap me because I like that's stupid. Did
0: you watch the Eagles play? They They were were losing at halftime. I'm just saying. They were terrible. They're, They're a bad football team. Like, to say the Washington football team can't win that division this year, I don't know. We'll see.
1: I just mean in general. I, I think like pre- that I, I'm just. I think I'm talking in different sense. I don't give a crap who wins this year. They all suck, and they're all going to host a playoff game. And I think teams crap that
0: crap are out. under 500. I really
1: don't care who wins that division this year. I'm not going to spend time talking about
0: it. I think everybody teams, else spends time. We talking need to look. look I don't at, give a crap. We can look this up and talk about it next week again. But I think teams that are under 500 that make the playoffs are actually undefeated in the first round.
1: I don't know about undefeated. I know Seattle was when uh, Marshawn Lynch put the team on his back and took the. <laughs>
0: beat the saints the team, yeah
1: yeah took it and <laughs> he told him to hold him when he went across the end zone there it was <laughs> if that was one of the uh losing teams but like that's seven and nine not four and 12 well like we're they're see. not gonna be four and 12. six and ten like six and this 10, is worse maybe. than before six yeah. and ten probably at best maybe oh all right um Ravens have Colts next week. Steelers have Cowboys, like I've said, on prime, the late afternoon. That's offensive. Stop doing that. They do it to Dallas. I'm tired of them. I, even when Dallas is decent, I, we don't need to see Dallas this much. When People Dallas is decent, fine.
0: It's a ratings bonanza. I get why the networks do it. But Dallas is bad. Dallas is Dallas Alexa. might not score a touchdown the rest of the year. Like, They've don't scored one put one them touchdown. on.
1: They've scored one touchdown in the last, like, three or four weeks. And that was when they were down by 20. They haven't scored a meaningful touchdown in weeks. Uh,
0: was that with Dalton?
1: I think that was like the only one. Since Dak, I think it's since Dak went down, they've only scored one, one, touchdown? one touchdown. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, they haven't scored one with Danucci, the in. I, they're not.
1: Well, goodness, I, no. They might
0: not. I mean, Like, that team might not score another touchdown. Stop putting them in national televised games.
1: Yeah, they could flex them out of there. That, it's uh, like the Red fine. Sox
0: they're with baseball this year. Stop putting them on national TV. They're bad.
1: Well, the Cowboys have like, I think it's like seven more. <laughs> I'm sure them and
0: Washington games. football teams a Monday night football game this year for They're late second
1: afternoon game. all the time. And, then and I'm they're sure it's the their se-
0: I'm sure the second one's a Monday night football game. I think it might be Is they'll, that Thanksgiving. They'll
1: have to get flexed out some They're the. They'll be the, they'll be the late afternoon game on Thanksgiving. That's one of them. They're not going to move that game, but there's probably other game. There's probably another no. game or two that get flexed.
0: <laughs> you, oh my God. Well, at least. Yeah. Okay. Let's move I never on. see the four o'clock. I never Let's, see move way on. On Let's move I never
1: it on. Let's move it on. All right, baseball. Right after we released this podcast last week, the Dodgers won the World Series. You've heard all the talk about it already, so we don't need to go into it. You and I have talked about it. We don't need to rehash it. How bad does Justin Tucker specifically? Turner? Him? Don't Justin Turner. Yeah,
0: don't Justin blaspheme Tucker, Justin Tucker. Too. He's amazing.
1: <laughs> Justin Turner, I just – you can say what you want about Major League Baseball or the team or who's in charge or what, but his individual effort there to go against protocol, to go against what he was told, to know what he know, and go do what he do was – he just looks terrible, and he deserves to get ripped every moment. And even – even I said you've already heard everything about this World Series already. I'm bringing it back up because that guy is selfish and is – just kind of not a great human being by doing that. I realize there's logic that he was around all these guys for seven innings, then finds out he's tested positive, but like just the concept of maybe you didn't spread it to one person earlier in the, in the day. And you could save yourself from potentially spreading your virus to one more person. Stay by yourself. Like, you know, you're positive. It's not a question of wearing a mask or not. It's not a question of um, how careful do we, need it? you know, you have it you got to be a decent human being. It's it's not driving drunk. It's not, I, I don't know, there's so many comparisons. It's not being terrible, making terrible decisions that put other people in danger. You have no idea who you could have potentially infected and who they might potentially infect. And potential infection is fine there. You actually have it. Just come on, man. Just come on.
0: Well, he takes his mask off for pictures next to the coach that survived cancer, too. I mean, it's just, it's bad. But uh, as bad as that was, you have to ask yourself, why is Major League Baseball allowing games to be played before they get test results back? Like, why is that a thing? Major League Baseball can't afford rapid tests? Well, that would be the only professional league in America that can't. So that would be amazing to learn. But I will say this, too. this What Justin Turner did, if I was an MLB owner, and I can't have a full stadium, and I think I'm not going to make money because of that, I'm locking the gates on the players. And this time back at the beginning, I said, the owners are making this about something. It's not blah, blah, blah. And they're attacking the players, trying to make the players look bad. I would run that clip of Justin Turner being out on the field, celebrating with his team, mask off, knowing he was positive and say, this is why we're going to shut the gates. If we can't have fans and do it safely that way, if it's not safe enough for fans and us to make money, which is to be honest, what they're going to do, what the true end goal would be there. We're not letting you play because as much as you say we'll make whatever sacrifices we have to make, that right there yeah, proves you you're you won't. The Dodgers yeah. won't. Nobody in the playoffs was doing COVID protocols. To be fair. The players were all high fiving. Now they didn't know they were positive and none of them tested positive until Justin Turner did. But they're all high fiving and violating COVID protocols. No one's wearing a mask in the dugout. I mean nobody and, is. So and that's why so, when, fate, when though, the owners sit there I, and say We don't trust you to actually follow the COVID protocols. We saw the Marlins at the beginning of the year. They knew they had positive cases, and they decided to play anyway. So, like, it's a train wreck. You can't trust these people. And this is why, like, Leland, you and I have these conversations. Like, we get nervous when we see all these people being like, yeah, we're going to let fans in, you know, and we have these COVID regulations. No, you don't. Not really. Like, and you can't trust people. Uh, when when they release studies, you know, well, if 95 percent of Americans would wear a mask for the next few months, you know, cases would drop to almost nothing. OK, well, you might as well do the study. What happens if 50 percent don't wear masks? Because that's what's going to happen, because that's the country we live in. That's the society we live in. We live in a society where we don't care. It's more. Da- there are more cases now and at a higher rate of infection now than there was at the beginning when we locked stuff down. So despite whatever you're hearing, we're not doing a good job at handling this. And if you think we are, I would just ask you again to have your head examined, because that would be like if I came on here and said, you know what, I don't care what scoreboards or standings or playoff results say. The Baltimore Orioles have actually won every World Series of my lifetime, and you can pull out all the baseball experts you want and all the score all, uh, statisticians, statisticians, and mathematicians and rules experts to explain to me how baseball works and all this. But it's my right as an American to believe that my team has won despite whatever facts and science you have. It's my right to believe that my team has won as an American and you can't convince me otherwise. Now you would say, Joe, that is an insanely stupid thing to say. And this is a terrible comparison. And you would be right because in my comparison, no one dies or potentially gets infected and has to be hooked up to a ventilator because I think the Orioles have won every World Series in my lifetime. Justin Turner and people who refuse to wear masks because they make it something it's not do potentially have people hooked up to ventilators and potentially kill people with what can be a potentially deadly virus. And you can walk around and say 99%, which, again, and I wish these people would just have you know a knowledge stick smacked upside their head. That number's not true. Uh, When you total the cases of infections and deaths, it's not 99%. But ignoring that fact, we don't know the long-term ramifications from this because it's a brand new disease. And again, I didn't know there were so many medical experts that were just not working in the medical field because I run into them all the time, apparently. So this Justin Turner thing just proves that you cannot trust these people. They will not listen, and there are times where, yes, I'm sure it would have been awesome, and it was awesome to have worked that hard and finally won a World Series, especially year after year of not winning, but there are times where you have to recognize there are things bigger than you and bigger than sports, and this disease is one of them. And if you test positive, despite me not believing for one second that that should be a thing where he's playing before the test results are known, in that instance, as soon as he knows, new he shouldn't have even been at the field they should have ushered him to the hotel room it
1: sucks it sucks that you missed that that celebration that stinks man that i I do i i would have felt bad for him then that would be 180 on this man it stinks that he tested positive it's weird that he was playing but it stinks that he missed that celebration he missed that moment that everything built up to i it's and now it's i'm i i will never i actually had no problem with the guy I, you know, he had some big moments in these past world series. He's played pretty well. I had no problem with the guy. And now he's like enemy number one for me. Cause it's just so selfish what he's done there. And I, and I hate it. Quick question. Moving off that topic is the Dodgers championship or whoever won the major league baseball championship this year. Is it a Mickey mouse, you know, doesn't matter championship. Is it something lesser?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yes, you played 60 games versus 162. You had a different playoff format than normal. Now the number one seeds make it, which is whatever. Um, And then you have this whole COVID fiasco. I I think that that changes it too. So yes, I I do. They're not going to put an asterisk on it. Baseball will never admit that this was anything but a success, but
1: So the less games was the first thing you went to, you think. And that's that's kind of what made it It was less of a season. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's what I don't know if I agree with you, but just by the logic you said, I am really irritated. And it's the LeBron haters is what it is. People are calling the Lakers championship this year. A Mickey Mouse does it less than championship. They played 10 less games than a normal season. I don't understand how that. NBA, Yeah, 100
0: versus 10 is. is a little bit different, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand how the Lakers winning a championship is any less. I hate it. I, I do not like the Lakers. I didn't want them to win. Yeah. I thought they would in the end because they looked to be the best team and they had the best player on the court, but it's a real championship. I don't understand this. Like I, and I heard it a lot more this week and it was like, well, the Dodgers and the Lakers win in the same town and that's what brought it back up. And it just drove me crazy. It was like, well, the Lakers doesn't even matter. They'd even skip past the Dodgers. The Dodgers played far less games than any other year. It was a far different situation than any other year. The Lakers played, I think it was like 10 or 11 less games. It was like 10 less regular season games, same amount of playoff games, everything. I, I just don't know. I don't understand how the NBA championship is any less than any other year.
0: I agree with you on the NBA. I okay. think the MLB okay. is different. I think 100 games is a lot more than 10 games, and I think that matters.
1: But I also shrug it up to it was better than nothing. And um, it was so better I, than nothing. I'm not, nothing.
0: I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm not saying the Dodger act. fans should feel worse or yeah, not feel accomplished. If this. the Orioles won the World Series, I'd probably have a different answer. But the Orioles didn't win the World <laughs> Series. So I can look at it objectively. The Orioles are the one team I have trouble looking at things objectively.
1: <laughs> so the Pirates, uh, the Pirates being the worst team in the league. Uh, I really want that first draft pick. So I'm fine. See, with baseball it doesn't count matter. Year. I know it doesn't matter. I'll take it. I'd rather have the first pick than any other pick. Like I'd rather have my choice of sure. Like as a team that sucks coming at some point. Yeah, as
0: a team that as a guy who roots for a team that's you know toward the bottom of the league. Yeah, yeah. I'll convince myself that that draft pick really matters. We got the five pick. Uh, Yeah, that matters. Does it really? No. Have the Orioles blown number five picks before? Sure. Have we done good with them? Everybody has. Mike Trout was a twenty fourth pick. So. 23 other picks happened before Mike Trout. Both of
1: our teams skipped on that guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> our guy's not even in playing baseball anymore. So, yeah.
1: All right. So, let's have something more positive. Let's get Chris Lasseter on here. All right. B-block time here on the Yak Sports Podcast. And it's been a long time coming to have Chris Lasseter on the podcast with us uh, Chris and, uh, Patrick Height, uh, their efforts combined was the first time I was able to be on a podcast. And that was back when they were trying to steal, uh, all my PowerPoint, uh, prognostication information, uh, back in your newsletter days. But so Chris, this, this is, I guess, me returning the favor, uh, but you are much more successful in the, in the media world than I (laughs) am. So I don't know if that's accurate, but thanks for coming on with us, Chris.
2: Hey, that's, uh, we appreciate, I appreciate the invitation. It's funny because, um, I've always just appreciated sports from the storytelling element, but I've always struggled as a reporter to nail down some of those uh, things that you would come in and explain to me. And I I leaned (laughs) on you heavily to make sense of all of those points, especially um, I guess when I started as a reporter, it wasn't so much based on the point system. And then it was kind of like that point system was introduced and I was like, ah, this isn't making sense to me. I couldn't project. Um, I could read it once it was done, but I couldn't project it. So thanks for all of that, and I'm glad to be
1: here. So. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. And I know most of our listeners are probably going to have a pretty decent idea of who you are, um, but I know even you know, Joe has only heard me reference you. So talk about some of your background, um, incl- you know uh, your days of playing at, at Lehigh and, and everything. Talk about some of your background and, and how you've gotten to where you're do- what you're doing now uh, with the YMCA and, and helping the community.
2: Yeah, I'll tell the uh, short version, the uh, kind (laughs) of one I tell on career days, but um, I grew up and um, obviously you played at a storied program. I played at a storied program. I wasn't nearly the best player that Coach Hatcher's produced. I probably wouldn't be on the list of the top 50, um, but I loved the sport. And so I was fortunate enough to go and play at a non-scholarship school after playing for Coach Hatcher, which was a great experience playing at Lee. I played at Shenandoah University and um, I started a couple of years there. uh, Had a great experience there, great teammates. I wish we'd had a little bit more success, but I wouldn't trade my teammates for anything. And then as you start to see that hourglass thing, right? Like, Hey, this is the end of my playing career. Like uh, David Stern was not hanging out at my division (laughs) three basketball games. And so you start to take your academics a lot more seriously and, I had great professors and great teachers in high school that really pushed me towards journalism and sports journalism was just a way to stay around um, sports and do something with my degree. So it was just a great fit for me. I did that for 15 years at the News Leader. Um, And then my family, I have five kids and then as their needs kind of grow, you guys know covering sports, you kind of are at work when everyone else has free time. So that can be a little bit of a challenge with a big family. Um, and so uh, the YMCA invented basketball, so I figured that'd be a great place for me to work. (laughs) I do marketing and communications. Uh, The YMCA has so many great things happening, going on, serving the community, and um, I grew up a gym rat in the Waynesboro YMCA all the time, Um, so it's it's cool for me to come back, have that sense of nostalgia, and be in the work at the place that invented basketball. So. So... I'm going to
1: jump out of the order that I have the notes with Joe here for, but you were already hit, hitting on playing for coach Hatcher. Tell, tell me something about playing for coach Hatcher that uh, we wouldn't know already. Something that, you know, Patrick Hyde didn't have in his book, or uh, you haven't you know told the story 800 times, maybe tell us like the 400 time story of, of something playing for coach Hatcher um, maybe a, a, about his way, about, about how he was able to create such a successful program from your view and, and even looking back at it now, after you've been out of it for a while, uh, speak to that for a little bit.
2: Uh, I mean, there's so many, but I think um, you start to think um, where to success start. And I know I've heard stories about riverheads would win a state football championship. And then there would be the next generation of kids just waiting to come to the weight room and uh, be there in the off season, ready to run it all back and say, now it's our turn to win a state championship. And I mean, that's just how successful programs are, but um, my earliest recollections of Lehigh basketball was crying listening to a radio broadcast uh, when they lost to Brunswick. And so we've always just grown up with this deep attachment to the program. And he built that legacy of something we all wanted to be a part of. And so we came in just like waiting for our turn to carry the torch. Uh, And then the generation of players before us put so much positive peer pressure on us to be good. They would literally rough us up during pickup games, be really hard on us, call us names that weren't our names. Um, And then as soon as the game was over, give us pointers. And we felt ready and embraced by our community. They were in the stands after they kind of beat us up in pickup games. They'd be there in the front row cheering for us. And so, um, but I think the thing that uh, <laughs> made Coach Hatcher the best is just somehow he could will you to hate losing as much as he did. Like, he could instill that value in you that just said, like, losing is unacceptable. And so, uh, we just never really thought about, like, we couldn't come back and win a game or, like, that we weren't supposed to win a game. Um I think my last high school game, we lost to a team that had a point guard that signed with BMI and a shooting guard that signed with Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And we were devastated. Like, we thought, like, oh, my goodness, we can't believe we lost to them. They were actually a really, really good basketball team. Mm -hmm. But uh, Louisa County, 1994, Robert Shelton and Andre Quarles. Um, But uh, that was just our perspective was they can't be better than us because we're league. And I think Coach Hatcher instilled that in us to hate it, even if, like, maybe we really just lost to a really good team. So,
0: Well, talk about uh, going from playing for Coach Hatcher to then having to cover Coach Hatcher once you got into, like you said, the sports journalism side of it.
2: All right. So uh, Coach Hatcher and I go way back, even before um, when I – Was crying at the Brunswick loss. Coach Hatcher and I. Coach Hatcher used to live up the street from me, so he was on Hudson Ave, and Jared and Brandon would come down the street and play at our house, and a lot of the other kids in the neighborhood. We played tackle football because we lived on the flat part of the street, where you (laughs) didn't have to run uphill. So I've known the Hatchers forever, Um, and so (laughs) like it was just this great experience to be able to cover him. Um, and part of that time was during the 85 game winning streak. I was actually taught at Lee one of those years, an adjunct class like journalism. And, uh, so I had some of the kids in class, uh, but the funniest, no doubt is when, um, there was a player on the team that was really a really good basketball player, but was definitely a better football player. Um, and he just kind of decided he didn't want to play basketball anymore. And they were at a tournament in Runa with J.J. Redick. And uh, he didn't end up riding the bus home. And Patrick did write about that in the book. And I was covering the game, and the kid ended up riding home with me. Uh, so that, that was probably my funniest. Like, that's the one that he and I can laugh about now. Um, hmm. But I grew up a huge historian, so I always wanted to go over Coach Hatcher's house and watch Todd Dunning play in 1987 and I always wanted to see the 1985 games, I believe, um, where uh, they played against the New York City champs uh, twice at uh, Robert E. Lee High School uh, with Marco Baldi. So I would go over to his house and watch all these old BCR tape games. And I wanted to see all the great point guards who came before me. So I would go over his house for hours and watch videos.
0: That's awesome. That's really so. Great. So it sounds like you knew Coach Hatcher before you started playing there, then you play for him, now you're covering him. So it felt like, uh, or it sounds like, it was just a smooth transition for you, maybe not nervous about, you know, maybe going from playing under Coach Hatcher to asking Coach Hatcher these questions post-game, or I'm sure during an 85-game win streak, it's easy. You're not asking a lot of tough questions (laughs) when you're winning, but you don't have that awkward maybe transition that some people would have if they just go from playing for a guy to now asking questions, writing about him.
2: Yeah. um, So that's funny, too, because uh, uh, Coach Castro and I got to be pretty good friends, but it just took a minute to build that relationship um, to just gain like, hey, like my whole thing was like I'm not trying to like write sensational stories. I'm trying to just do my craft well over a long period of time. And I felt like once he knew that's what I was there for, he had five kids. I had five kids. We would lament when milk prices went up. (laughs) <laughs> or uh, how much bread we would lose. And we got to build a pretty good friendship there. Um, yeah, but with Coach Hatcher, it was just kind of natural. And he always just kind of trusted me. And uh, But the funny thing, I'll tell you, I coached girls basketball at Lee one year, and they had a game at the MCI Center where the boys played and the girls played before the Wizards played the Miami Heat. <laughs> and uh, I was always really loud on the bus rides, and uh, I guess when I was a coach, it was no different. And Coach Hatcher just walked back on the bus and said, I can't believe I have to put up with this all over again. So <laughs> <laughs> that that was pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, so it was a great experience. So I learned so much. And I was just talking with one of my teammates the other day. When we get together and we talk, we never talk about um, – the actual games. We just talk about the experiences and the friendships and the stories. And we both know that we were shaped and like had access to like this paradigm that shows you how to be successful in all of life by being a part of a winning program. And we're very thankful for that. So
1: something I've picked up on, um, and I, I guess it's comparable enough. It, you know, playing for Riverheads and you brought that up to begin with, you know, a story program. It's funny the connection you have with the guys that you didn't even play with. And, and usually those conversations revolve around practice. It's not, it's not games, it's not, you know, who won more games, how many times did you beat this team or that rival. It's, it's what happened in practice and how that kind of aligns with each other and, and the attitude that came with practice. That's what I've always seen at Riverheads. I'm sure it's the same uh, for playing with Coach Hatcher.
2: So uh, I'll tell you my one of my favorite Riverhead stories. Um, now, you know, we're not allowed to talk to players but there were times when coach Castro would make an (laughs) exception. Once they had a foreign exchange student who was a kicker and coach Castro, let me do a story on him. And once the uh, offensive line starters had a GPA of like 3.6 and he let me do a story on how they were excelling on um, in the classroom and that, but my funniest, my favorite riverhead story was we're not allowed to talk to the players. So after the game, Senior year, after they just won a state championship, I go over to a house and all the seniors come over and watch the game with me. Yeah. And now they give me their quotes. But Rob Zuba just kept doing these casto impressions <laughs> the entire thing. And he was like, and here's what <laughs> he was. And he was telling me this story uh, about they were playing a team in the district that maybe isn't the best program. And Coach Castro just wasn't pleased with the way they were playing and there was a normal coach speak, but he says uh, he, he ran out the locker room at the last thing he said before the half is, and that's why you're in the position you're in now, but Riverheads was up 37 to zero. And so <laughs> they're kind of like scratching their heads. Like, what do you mean by the position we're in now? Like uh, it's a running clock to start the second half. So uh, yeah. So just those things, like I can tell, like there's a lot of similarities between the program and, one day you guys will have to figure this out because um, I've thrown this question out to Patrick before, but uh, I think coach Hatcher and coach Castro pretty much solidified as two coaches who would be on the coaching Mount Rushmore in this area, but who oh, yeah. else would be um, those coaches? And we've thrown out names like Doris Scott and Molly Stein spring um, Al Hamilton for sure would get some consideration there, but um, that's a great podcast topic to try to figure yeah. out like, who would that be? And then also if you're doing that one, another uh, good one would be, who would be the women's Mount Rushmore yeah. or local sports? That would be an incredible podcast. So,
1: Well, those are great ideas. We, we might have to draw you back in for something like that, but you just spoke about Al Hamilton. I was talking about uh, your write-up that you did last week, uh, your special for the News Leader, and uh, I thought a lot of that, and I spoke to that last week on the podcast, but – I wanted to have you on to talk more to him and to uh, give him the the proper praise that I was probably lacking with. I, I wanted to hear your thoughts and, and even hitting on what you wrote about and outside of what you wrote about on how big of impact he was on our community.
2: Yeah, I mean, just everybody has a great story. And um, it's so funny um, because after you write something, and you guys know, like, after you talk about something, like, somebody will come up to you and, um, want to talk more about something that you guys talked about on the podcast or a game that you called or something like that. So I, I keep hearing all these stories or people that emailed me their stories or like I would just run into people and they would tell me more Al Hamilton stories. But um, like I was lifting weights over at the YMCA and I'm kind of a chatty patty anyway. So um, I probably was supposed to be back in my office by this point. But one of the members was just talking to me and um he was just explaining like how much of an impact uh al hamilton had on us smoothing out the transition between booker t washington closing and robert e lee integrating i just think it was just such a fascinating story and i wish like i knew who the member was like we were just making small talk and i didn't catch his name but um just stories like that or um, building such a successful program at Booker T. Washington, something that our um, community can be proud of. And then just uh, in the faith community as well. Um, You just can't meet anyone who um, has a bad word to say about him. And so um, I think one of the most telling things was like, this community just like adores this man, but like, some of my heroes, like basketball and sports heroes, I would always see all summer taking care of his lawn, and so like they just like always like adored these men. So these people that I grew up looking to, like, I, he lived very close to the YMCA, um, and so I would come to work and I would see like someone who like I know division one basketball player, somebody I looked to growing up and he's outside cutting Mr. Hamilton's grass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like, you just can't meet someone who didn't think he was the best person they ever met. So Very cool. So well,
1: appreciated that write up last week. That was, a, that was really, really nice. And coming from you on that, that was, that was really good last
2: week. Thank you for writing that. A loss for our community for sure. Oh yeah.
0: So speaking of, you know, things you've done and, uh, you know, you go from writing, sports journalism to now writing books you're a author now uh what started that transition uh what has been the motivation i know a lot of the books um have a christian focus and your faith is very important to you uh, talk about you know your author career and what that has meant to you personally
2: yeah i think um and you guys know like um you guys do a podcast and it's kind of like um we're creatives. Like we just want to create something that didn't exist before and have people think about something. Um, and so I think part of it is and Patrick and I were having this conversation the other day is like, um, like we love sports, like, and sometimes we want to say like, all right, like I want to push myself past just writing like one article. I want to see if I can write this. Well, let me see if I can write a whole book. Like, why not? Like I write every day. And so really it was just like, um, from newspaper reporting, I want to try some magazine writing. And then I just had a friend who wrote a book and I was like, I think I could write a book. And so, um, I just didn't want to go do the sports thing because I had done the sports thing every day with my job. So I just wanted a creative push. I wanted it to be something that was important to me. And I like to write about where, um, sports culture and faith intersect that's kind of like my sweet spot of stuff that I like to write about and so I was actually mentoring a group of kids at uh E. Lee now Stanton High School in a campus ministry called Young Life and so a lot of this stuff that I had already written to give as talks anyway and then I just said let me see if I can like take it and make it so it's not like a speech but like something that you would read and uh yeah, so that's that was book number two, then I have kids, so I wanted to write kids' books because I enjoy parenting, and now mm-hmm. I'm working on a book on a, a conversation between uh, Biggie, Jesus, and Tupac, because I grew up a big hip-hop fan, <laughs> um, so you write what you know, and I just, that's my thing, like, where faith, culture, and uh, sports intersect, so...
0: Well, I know you keep talking about, you know, Lila and I being creatives too. And (laughs) I gotta be honest, (laughs) not on the same level, but
2: (laughs) I appreciate that. It is. It's the exact same level. It's uh, like this podcast didn't exist. You guys didn't take it over. You said, let's create something. Like there's a, there's a need in our community. And uh, when Patrick and I actually started the podcast, that's, um, (laughs) that's what I was telling him is like, Hey, Um, we were moving to a place where like um, newspapers were trying to figure it out. And um, we didn't have the exact same connection with the community that we had always had. And I say, Patrick, like, this is a good way to get back in and feel like uh, we're still able to have those conversations with people. And uh, I'll tell y'all the funniest story. And like you guys will have stories like this, I promise, but (laughs) I had a job interview and the first question in my job interview was what happened to the podcast. And I was like, I was like, that was not the first question that I was um, expecting during my job. Interview. But like people care and um, it's so important to have like a place, a gathering place to start those conversations about things. So bravo to you guys.
1: Well, appreciate that. Uh, yeah. That that's nice to hear. Um, yeah. So tried to fill a void, but I appreciate the kind words. So usually getting out of here, we ask uh, one specific question, but I'm going to ask two uh, Mm -hmm. just to get you back onto sports just a touch. I want to know the number one question. Who do you have winning the Super Bowl? Who do you got winning the whole thing this year?
2: So this was a question like I can always be 100% honest about in the past. But now it kind of makes me seem like a front runner. So I will, I will quickly tell you the story. Um, my dad told me in 1983 about uh, a running back named Joe Delaney who he drowned trying to save three kids that were um, drowning. And he saves one kid and he drowns with the other two. And um, when my dad told me that story, I said, OK, I'm going to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Because that's like I love that story and I've always loved that story and he's always been my favorite athlete for that story. So I've always been uh Chiefs fan.
0: Good.
2: Um so I'm hoping the Chiefs, I think Tom yeah. Brady and the uh Bucks look really good. And personally, um I know Russell Wilson is from Virginia and has some family here in Stanton. So I've always pulled for Russell to do well as well. So um, but I gotta go Chiefs first.
1: Well, that's fair enough. You've always been a Chiefs fan. We can't argue that. And
2: yeah, we, we trust it's just hard that. to say now, right? Like, right, it was a very easy thing to say. <laughs> but now it's like if you go and say you're a Chiefs fan, it's like going and saying you're a Lakers fan. So, <laughs> all right.
1: And so, our last usual question What is something that you have uh, been binging or something you've been watching on TV that the, our listeners need to know about that you recommend that they uh, need to tune into?
2: Okay, so that's going to be a weird one for me, right? Because um, I don't watch TV. And okay. I don't. I listen to podcasts and I read books. So give us a podcast. Um, and I, listen so <laughs> I listen to radio. So I listen to sports. In a normal year, I spend my Friday nights with you guys. And I'm writing my book. And I'm listening to whatever game that you guys are calling. Um, because, like, I just don't have time. I have a big family. And I have, like, writing goals that I'm trying to yeah. hit. I just don't like the TV on because it makes you have your eyes and your ears there. So I just want to have my ears somewhere so my eyes can be somewhere else. So I don't have any. It's so funny because like, if I do see a commercial, like or like somebody makes a pop reference, I miss so much of it because (laughs) I was like, I don't know these things, you know. Um, So what
1: podcast do we need? What what podcast do we other than the Yak Sports podcast? What
0: podcast (laughs) do we need in our life?
2: Um what's a podcast that I love? Um, most of the podcasts that I listen to are uh, sort of uh, theological. I'm trying to think of which yeah. one would be the best one. Um, cross examine podcast, I think is good. And Southside Rabbi, I think is pretty good. So okay. those are podcasts that just um, United We Pray podcast, I like a lot. So I'm um, trying to think, is there a sports podcast that I like a lot? No, like, not one just, that i don't feel like you right? already know right yeah so All yeah right, I, I, that's a that's a that's a bad question for me like uh, I that's, fine, had no, a but that's
1: good It's I, we want the real answer so we, i don't want you just you know saying yeah, yeah. seinfeld and getting out of here you know
2: yeah so <laughs> now <if> you, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so my roommate in college my senior year this great guy still a good friend but uh He was skinny and African-American, so he doesn't really look anything like George Costanza, but he just had that thing where, like, these little things would just drive him crazy, and so I'd always call him Costanza when he would have those Yeah, so. um. Awesome.
1: Well, Chris, thank you uh, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for everything you do in the community, and, uh, yeah, we're going to have to get you back on for some of these these Mount Rushmore discussions that you have in your mind because you have a a touch more history than – than I do. And a lot more than Joe does for the area. So uh, I might need to bring you on as a special guest host on, on that kind of topic. And uh, we can educate Joe a little bit on the, on the great things that have happened in the Stanton area in sports.
2: Absolutely. So you guys have a great one. I appreciate you having me. All
1: right. Thank you, Chris.
2: All right.
0: And thanks again to Chris Laster for Taking time to talk to Leland and I. Uh, was a,
1: I can't believe it was till now to get him on the podcast. Like Day one when we had this podcast, he was on my list of one of the people to have on here. I, it's shameful that I've waited this long to get him on.
0: Well, I'm glad we were able to get him on there. and uh, Again, I think that was a great interview that our listeners are going to enjoy. But now they're going to uh, have to deal with us. So, <laughs> what is dominating my life is uh, Nah, you know what? Leland, do your thing first. I want my things to be just run together
1: <laughs> you want to talk for a long time let's talk about candy uh we have a candy bracket we're not gonna bore you with everything here i'm just now reading your bracket though that's what good preparation is called and i have some things to argue about you have tootsie pops over Reese cups oh my goodness
0: yeah i'm not big on peanut butter and wow. chocolate i'm actually peanut butter itself i'm actually super out on um Man. But Reese's peanut butter cups like compared to those other things I I like them better but I like Tootsie Pops.
1: Look at you. I I I don't like Tootsie Rolls, I don't like Tootsie Pops. I don't like things down in the middle of my pops so even even the uh Jolly or the other um fruity flavored pops with bubblegum in the middle. Yeah, not I, big on those either. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want owls eating my candy, so I'm just, I'm just not big on, on any of those. I'm down.
0: Um, <laughs> Woodsy out. Give a hoot. Don't pollute. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I have Reese's going all the way to my final, and you have them out much sooner. So that surprised me looking at your bracket. But also, my final four, and maybe this is how we'll start uh, wrapping our conversation up a little bit here, is I have Reese's versus Snickers, and I have M&M's versus Skittles, and then I have Reese's and Skittles meeting in the championship with Skittles winning. You have.
0: Yeah, I've got Tootsie Pop, uh, which was a seven seed. So, and I want to explain that. Um,
1: I, this is somebody's bracket. Like any other bracket we did. It's yeah. Some dude's bracket.
0: It's some dude's bracket. I don't like peanuts in my candy or really any kind of nuts in my candy. If I can avoid it except for, and we'll get to this. Um, actually I think, no, it's not nuts. It's rice. Um, But, yeah, Tootsie Pops, so that comes out of that with the peanut butter and the nuts in that division uh, going up against it. Uh, Crunch Bars, love them, can't get enough of them, uh, and then they take out Tootsie Pops in the final four. The M&M's region was pretty simple. I like Hershey Bars, though, so that was was a tough Elite Eight matchup, but I had M&M's advancing into the final four. And then the one region where you have Skittles, I put three Musketeers. That was the worst division to me. I don't like Skittles. I don't like candy corn. So it got out of there. But after there, it was three Musketeers and it was kind of easy. A hundred grand. I picked over a caramel apple pop because I mean, why would you put fruit in your candy?
1: 80 year old was making this bracket with a yeah with
0: apple top. gross he didn't put bunch of crunch in there which i found offensive because that's my all-time favorite candy but it didn't even make the bracket apparently um uh, got jobbed by some. the committee but um yeah, my
1: committee hurt me too because i also like if you don't like skittles you're not gonna like probably these either spree and sweet tarts were not on the bracket i don't know what spree Both
0: is but sweet of, tarts spree definitely is, not
1: spree is like a harder shelled sweet tart um, no. maybe even a little bit more sour. So it's it's pretty solid. Um, so both of those were off the bracket. Those easily, probably Spree, if they were in the right division, could have made my Final Four. If they were down in that Snickers division, they probably could have come to the Final Four. But also, Butterfinger went out to Reese's. I think Butterfinger is one of the more underrated Halloween candies. People don't pass them out. People don't have them there. If you don't like the peanut butter, you're not going to like it. But for... A good, like you get M&M's and you get Snickers. I'm just surprised there's not more Butterfinger out there. So I think there's value in Butterfinger. I always treat them like gold when my kids get them and I steal them from them as soon as they get them uh, because you just don't see them out in the wild that often. So I'm excited when I see a Butterfinger on Halloween night. And then also Sour Patch Kids. They went out in the second round of M&M's. I like those a lot too. So Butterfinger, Sour Patch Kids, Spree and Sweethearts, all those probably could have made my final four above Snickers. Honestly, probably in front of M&M's too. So, I mean, that's that's what it kind of missed out on my bracket.
0: When we're here for candy, we're here for one thing and one thing only, and that's chocolate. If you want to put some <laughs> rice and cover it in chocolate and make it a crunch bar, okay, we're good. But other than that, <laughs> give me chocolate. Hide
1: the rice and some chocolate.
0: Yeah, give me chocolate. <laughs> chocolate only. All right. All right. Let's talk about what is dominating my life, Leland. And uh, there was a poll the last time I was able to see it. It demanded more soccer. And when we're not counting the votes from Leland and I, it was 100% more soccer. So we will go with that. How um, many
1: people were involved in those other votes?
0: Irrelevant. But Liverpool <laughs> now sits How at many the top. did you cast? <laughs> well, I said if you take out our votes, it's still 100%. Now <laughs> one. <laughs> okay, but that's 100%. So it's a show for me and Rob here. Uh, and if you like soccer, great. If you don't, I really implore you to take a watch. Um, but Liverpool back at the top of the table.
1: Hey, could you just wake me up when you get to soccer I care about? Make sure I'm aware then, because I'm going to stop listening to you until you get to that. Well,
0: if you stop listening, then you stop, then you give up on the sport of the future. That's on you. But Liverpool, top of the table in the Premier League, the the which They're is here. great. Uh, they had a Really nice comeback win against West Ham. Uh, They fell behind early, got an equalizer in the first half. Then in the second half, they found a late winner, which was crucial. Uh, They haven't looked great all the time. They've had a lot of injuries, but sometimes that's the sport. They still are at the top. It's going to be an exciting season. Leicester is only one point behind them. Tottenham is two. Everton, Southampton, Wolverhampton Wanderers, all three points. So that's down to sixth which are just three points out, and Aston Villa's uh, got a game in hand. So if theirs is a win, then they would be within three, or they'd actually be within one of the top with Liverpool. Now, Aston Villa and Liverpool play here soon, so that's going to be a huge, huge match. But looking ahead here for the weekend, if if you want somebody other than Liverpool who has turned out to be, like, the Premier League team, they won last year for the first time in 30 years, looks like they're on their way possibly to -to back-to-back titles, which is pretty unheard of in the Premier League. Usually the big six kind of take turns winning. But um, big matches, Everton, after their draw against Liverpool, which was the first time they dropped points all season, they have lost to Southampton and Newcastle, which are bad losses for them. They play Man United. It's going to be kind of a must-win for Everton if they want to be able to hang in the title race. Another big match is going to be Manchester City-Liverpool. Right now, Liverpool has them down. They need, need, need to beat Manchester City to keep them down. And Arsenal versus Aston Villa, That both uh, Manchester City-Liverpool and Arsenal-Aston Villa are Sunday matches. Uh, that's going to be a big one to determine. Aston Villa-Arsenal, one of those teams is a pretender. That can The winner gets to still be a contender. Moving now to Europe at large in the Champions League. Uh, Liverpool right now two for two in the Champions League. They've had a couple close calls. They needed one goal against Ajax and then a miracle save from Fabinho that uh, I if I didn't send Leland, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure I did, and Leland just didn't share it um, to save a point, to save two points and get all three there against Ajax. They then had a close victory against Middlesbrough uh from the scandinavia region of europe uh that was kind of a surprise close game i'm gonna be honest uh but a win's a win and you'll take it three points there they're at the top of the table atalanta is who they're playing that's a team from the italian league it's if liverpool wins this it's pretty much done and dusted they're through to the next to the knockout stage i won't bore you with the rest of the group stage is except for group b which has turned into kind of a group of death uh Shakhtar, who is Have I from heard of any
1: of these teams before?
0: Uh, maybe. Shakhtar Donetsk is one you're not going to know. Nope. They're from the Ukrainian league. They are the Cinderella right now of this tournament, as they oh lead God, Group like, B. Santa Claras too. They beat Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They beat, which is why they should put Coastal Carolina in the playoff because they beat Real Madrid, who is one of the biggest clubs in the world from the Spanish league. They took out Real Madrid in their first match. Borussia Gladbach, who is another darling from the German league, Bundesliga, they blew it. They had a chance to pretty much put nails into Real Madrid and end what would have been a historic run by Real Madrid to get to the knockout stage. They had a chance to kind of give them a KO, but they let up. They gave up two goals near the end, and Real Madrid got a draw to stay alive. Inter Milan is the fourth team in that group. So, right now, through two matches, Shakhtar with four, Borussia, Muchen Gladbach with two, Inter Milan has two. That's the Italian team. And then I mean, Real Madrid I know has Milan. one.
1: No, of Milan
0: if is you don't know Real Madrid that's on you. I mean that's one of the biggest Real clubs Madrid. in I understand Europe.
1: Real Madrid. I I I passed by that one. Is there more than one Milan team like the Inter Milan yes. is that like Inter Milan the Mets? and AC
0: Milan. There are yeah, and that's AC a big Milan derby. Then. So yep.
1: Yeah, then I don't know Inter Milan. I I, I don't know the second AC
0: one. AC Milan is not in this tournament. They were not good enough. But you had that much soccer last week. So to get more soccer, let's dive into the ACC. Leland. There we go. We watched Virginia Tech, Louisville. Virginia Tech got their first win of the season. It also coincidentally is the first match of the season that we saw a guest of the po- on the podcast, and also son of Rob, who is friend of the podcast and loves our soccer segments here on the X Sports Podcast. First match he plays in, first match VT wins. They play another match today, second match he's played in, second match VT wins. Coincidence? No.
1: Yeah, And like the Blue Oyster Colt and their Cowbell, I just think Virginia Tech soccer needs more Stenzel. I just think they need more of them. 15 minutes isn't enough. We could be dominating these teams more Stenzel. Now, we might have, you know, location bias, and he's from Stanton, and and some of us that doesn't you know, family, sound like us, but yeah, but yeah, I, we're not, we're not biased at all here, but yeah, more stencil the better. We're glad he's getting an opportunity to play. It's been crazy with COVID regulations and games they've had scheduled that it's gotten moved. And then games, his roommates have not been like not allowed him to play in. I don't want to get too deep in all of it, but he's finally eligible to play and he's getting his chance and uh, he's getting some good time out there and hopefully some more and more time as this should really, that win should really help. Virginia tech be in the ACC tournament and hopefully make some noise there. And then they'll wait around for the spring and hopefully get back to playing in the spring and and make some, some noise in the spring too. And hopefully Kyle just gets all the opportunity he can. There, really cool to see the local kids playing at the next level. I, one of the things I started when I started this podcast, I wanted to say more about these local kids as they went on to the next level. I don't know if I've covered that as well as I want to, but Kyle is going to be an easy one that we're going to be able to update pretty much every time he plays. So yeah. keep listening for that. You have the connection. And uh, the, yeah. So being the pride of, you know, local athletics here and, um, you know, playing for the local high school in Stanton, it, it's great to have them um, updates on him. So readily available to us. So that's, that's, what's great. And most of their games are, it seems like are on ES or uh, ACC sports extra on the ESPN app. And then some also make the ACC network. I mean, if you have Comcast, that doesn't help you in any way. So, um, but yeah, good update there. Soccer I care about. I am always for the soccer well, I care about.
0: And you and I were watching the Louisville match um, because it was on a Friday night and we could watch it. Uh, Virginia Tech's first goal came on the Louisville defender. Just kind of bad luck. Bounced off his back straight to Who's a the
1: UVA coach's a son?
0: I don't know. I kind of don't pay attention to some of that. Um, that's, that's but crazy. bounced off the Louisville defender's back straight to a Hokie who then was able to cross it over for an easy goal. Then Louisville got uh, a, a nice goal on a beautiful pass, and then the back line got a little bit lost, set them up for a equalizer. It goes into overtime, and Jacob uh, Labovitz, hope I pronounced that right, uh, had an absolute screamer into the top left corner. That was a phenomenal shot that won the game for the Hokies against Louisville, and then again they won 1-0. Labovitz scoring again today for that win for the Hokies. So he's having a great run of form and Hokies men's soccer, hopefully getting on a run here and can make yeah. some noise. Uh, obviously we're, we're rooting for that. Uh, talking about local athletes. I know, I think, uh, will Jones follows us. So we, hopefully that's one yeah. when he gets to the next level, when he decides on a college, we can follow yeah. and update him as he goes. We do, Jarvis you know, once Vaughn, sports, Jarvis
1: Vaughn had us a bobblehead.
0: yeah, once sports, uh, that's one I need to get done. Um, but once sports get going again in earnest, uh, it'll be easier for us to follow, and uh, we can yeah. we can do more with that. I before I give it to you for the last thing, and then you're gonna lead us to the close. I do. I shared the video with you. I really want you to put this on the exports Twitter. I constantly tell you to do stuff, and you don't do it. But this is one that I think our listeners need to see because I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. And when I say I'm. Crying laughing. I don't mean like tears are in my eyes and I'm laughing. I mean tears are rolling down my face, I'm laughing, and I can't breathe because I'm laughing so hard. This guy takes what is a chocolate fountain and puts cheese in it, and then it just turns into an utter mess. And I mean, it is absolutely amazing. I Leland must be watching it for the first time now because I sent it to him and he refused to watch it, which totally I mean is inappropriate. But I mean, now I gotta find it on when I shared I it to him. I remember you sending it to me, but I
1: haven't I, pulled up now and I haven't started playing. But I see like a still of it, and um, yeah, this. I'm looks playing
0: like it now. Are you playing it? Yes. You need to share it. Okay. Hold on. Stop it. Go back to zero. Go back to zero. Because if our listeners are gonna watch this, I if we're gonna do this, then we need to do it right. Okay. We are I on don't zero. Think our listeners
1: can listen to us and listen to this video at the same time.
0: Yes, they can. Sure they can, if they don't listen on their phone. Well, whatever. Who All right. doesn't
1: listen on their phone? Who's like pulled up to a PC right now? Text me right now. or, or
0: The diehards. You know, at us the right diehards. Now. All right, anyway, <laughs> when you're playing this.
1: Linux service here. And <laughs> but this is <laughs>
0: great because he's he's massaging the cheese and then it quickly <laughs> goes sideways. <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> because the cheese. <laughs> 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 I'm on
1: edge but it's going to be good. Why is <laughs> it
0: going so
2: fast? What is this? Oh, <God, it's> <laughs> 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 oh now he's
0: finally shutting it off. Oh, that is amazing. That is the best 36 seconds of your week
1: what I know that you need to know is the time just changed. And when I was a young kid and young man, I always thought it was so strange how my grandpa would get so fired up about this time change. He wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted it, the clocks just to stay the same year round. Um, I, I don't understand his motivation. I don't know if he thought the clocks were hard to change or what he just did not want it at all. He had nothing to do with it. He even went on to multiple years, never changing his clocks. Now it would get, Love you know, it. a month into it where he would just be like, okay, just factor in the hour. And he, but there was multiple times particularly in the springtime where we'd be sitting there with dinner ready and be like, where the heck are they? And it's because he didn't change his time and his clock. And he was out driving around and like thought it was an hour different than it was. It was such a pain. In the butt. He left a church because of time change and the, you know, the eagerness to attend the right service for this in the services would change their time during the summer and the clock would change. So it was like doubly bad. And I don't I don't believe he thought that was a sign of the devil. But he changed a, search, a church because of it. a church that like was a very ingrained in the family church. He left it. He's like, I'm out. I'm going to the church. That's 11 o'clock year round now. I still don't understand how that worked when the time changed if, but at least they didn't move the service an hour at all either, but it was all went together. It was all in the same ballpark. So with the time changing and the fallback right here that we just had, it just reminded me that, and I thought the listeners needed to, to know this, that he, he just did not, he wasn't into it. And I know Rob knew who my grandpa was. There was some good, uh, one good particular story with Rob and my grandpa where uh, he got pranked into buying my grandpa a gift of Johnny Carson tapes for Christmas swap that uh that he really didn't like. And uh, it was great. Um, but uh, yeah, time change. It is a pain in the butt, though. Like, as I get I to say, I agree like, with him.
0: I it hate is the time kind change. Of
1: a pain in the butt. Now, I, I think my biggest problem is the fallback where it gets dark. It's like instantly today at five thirty. It's dark. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate going to work when it's dark and I hate coming home when it's dark. And I know we get to a middle part of the winter where both are that way, no matter what we do, but I hate, I just hate the darkness, like not being in my yard and the bright, like it's such a pain in my butt. So that's my old man rant of the day, even though I probably had four old man rants of the day already, and not even all of them were on the podcast. So if you want to hear more old man Leland rants, please continue to listen to us and follow us at yak sports pod on Twitter and Facebook Feel free to interact with us on there or email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. And make sure you are subscribed to us from Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify. We are always here with your sports talk for you, the Augusta County sports fan. We'll be back next week with more of that. And we look forward to talking to you then.